0: Hi everyone, today's episode of Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy is sponsored by Anchor. If you're not familiar with Anchor, let's talk about it for a little bit because it's not something that's going to tie you down to the bottom of the ocean. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free and everybody knows a girl loves free. Free is better than skinny. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. They do all of the work for you. I mean, look at this. You can hear my crazy whiny voice on over 10 platforms already. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's Anchor, A N C H O R.fm to get started. And then you can have your voice out there like this little girl here. So, check it out, y'all, and let's get back to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode of Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy. I'm Andrew Shepard, and as always, I will be your host. I want to thank you guys all for sticking with me and coming to the fourth episode. I appreciate it. If you'd like to get involved, if you have questions, comments, concerns, topics, anything that you would like to hear talked about or you just want me to answer something for you, feel free to get in contact with me. You can reach me by email at lifestylegbb at gmail.com That's lifestyle G as in George B as in boy B as in boy at gmail.com You can also hit me up on social media and I'm on every single social media platform as AJ VanderTunt. When you reach out to me on there DM me comment on my page, comment on a status, whatever you want. If it's something to talk about, we'll definitely talk about it. Today's episode is all about being gay, black, and social. And this is a topic that I've wanted to talk about for a while. I have had this kind of conversation with close friends in person. And even in the past, it's come up a couple of times. But Now I feel like it's time to talk about it here on this platform. And when I talk about being social, I'm not just talking about social media, but I'm talking about social situations. When you go out for drinks, when you go to work every day, when you get up and leave your house, when you just want to go out and do something different that you've never done before, or even if you're doing the same activity you've done 60 million times. It's about being social when you are now out with other people or going into an environment that is different than your home. Because in my home, I don't have to be social. It's just me. Out in the world, being social is completely different. So I want to start off with a quote. And this quote is from J.R.R. Tolkien. And if you don't know who he is, he is the writer of Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. And he has some other literature out there. But the quote, it sticks out to me and it stuck with me ever since I was in high school. And it simply is, it's a dangerous business going out your door. You step onto the road and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept to. This sticks out in my mind, especially when I'm thinking about being social. And the part of it that sticks out the most is the part of if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept to. That's huge. So the first part of being social to me is when you make that initial contact with somebody or some place where you're going to go and interact with other people. And in that setting, if you're not the most social person, if you are not street smart or social savvy, maybe it's something that you're brand new to. If you just go and jump into that environment, but don't mind yourself, keep yourself grounded, understand your boundaries and your limits, you're not keeping your feet. So at that point, you can just be swept off anywhere. This also has to do the same with making sure that you are self-aware of what you can and cannot handle. So this quote means the world to me because I hadn't looked at the world in the manner that I do now when I had first heard it, you know, and the first couple of words, it's a dangerous business going out your door. You know, I think that's something that for myself and I can say it honestly, I take for granted at times The act of just getting up and walking out your door, you don't realize just how dangerous that can be. I mean, in my house, yes, there are things that can hurt me. All kinds of shit can happen. But at least I know what's in these walls. When you step out the door, you're stepping into the unknown. And you have to be prepared for that. So one part of being prepared and being social is how you present yourself to the world, So presenting yourself to the world, this was something that my mom would always drill in my head. And, you know, my grandmother did the same thing. A couple of aunts and uncles did the same thing. A lot of family really was the grounding first behind that. And they always would say, you know, what message are you presenting to the world? So to start off with myself, I use one interaction that has stuck out with me for the longest time since I was growing up. Now, this was before I really knew what it was to be gay or to be different, um, as some of my family members would have phrased it. But I was on a trip in Disney World, and there was a picture that got taken of me after a ride. I don't actually remember what the ride was, but in Disney World, Disneyland, a couple other theme parks that I know of, you know, they'll take your picture on the ride and it's never a good picture. I mean, you're whipping around corners at like 30 miles an hour on a wooden roller coaster and screaming your lungs off. Honestly, it looks like you're getting an enema from a cactus. Like that's the face that everybody has in these pictures looks like. So the picture, I looked crazy because I was screaming. I was scared to shit on this ride. And my aunt gets the picture. They're laughing about it with my uncles and stuff. It's hilarious. And so then they show it to me. And I'm like, oh, I look real cute in that picture. Now, that's why I said I said I look really cute. The whole vibe immediately changed as soon as I said that. And their response was, you're not cute. You're handsome. You're a boy. And I was like, what's the difference? I don't see anything different about it. And I realized at that moment that that comment came out because everybody was looking and listening to me as far as my family that were with us when I said that. And they felt that me saying I was cute as opposed to handsome was presenting myself to the world as somebody who is gay or queer. Now, still, I hadn't really understood the full concept of it, and I didn't actually understand why this turned into a whole thing. And what's funny is my cousin, who was there at the time, and she was older than me, um, she got upset. And I didn't understand why she got upset. I just didn't get, I was like, oh, okay, whatever, I'm handsome. To me, it all meant the same damn thing. To her, she picked up on the fact that I was being corrected because my family member's had either thought I was gay at the time or were embarrassed that I had said it so loud that maybe other people could have heard. That is my first interaction where I started to understand being aware of what I'm doing and saying around people because of how it's presenting to them. Needless to say, I still had a good-ass time. And to this day, I'll still say I look cute. I'm not going to change that. Another part of being social and leaving your house and presenting yourself to the world is how you physically look. You know, how you physically look. Your clothes, your accessories, all kinds of stuff. Myself, I can tell you, for me, when I leave my house, I don't know if people are thinking this, but I'm pretty sure that they are in some way, shape, or form because of how I dress. When I leave my house on any given day, unless there's something special going on, or maybe I'm going out at night to something special, or I just want to switch it up, I am wearing a pair of jeans, a black t-shirt, some kind of printed sock with anything on it, and a pair of sneakers. That's it. And if it's cold, I'll throw on a coat. But my go-to, no matter how hot it is, no matter what time of day it is, no matter where I'm going, again, unless it's something special or I feel like switching it up, black t-shirt, jeans, socks, and shoes. That's me. And I don't iron my clothes. I, I just have never seen the importance behind it. I don't really care. So I don't iron my clothes. To some people, if they see me and my clothes have to be super wrinkly that day, they may think, oh, maybe he's homeless or he just doesn't care or maybe he's just a slob. Another thought behind it could be, okay, well, maybe he just didn't have time to get ready today. Well, that whole time, I'm just sitting here, I'm like, oh, I'm comfortable. This is my norm. I mean, I literally have more black t-shirts and jeans than anything else that I own. Another part of it, when it comes to appearance for myself is, you know, what message am I sending if I'm sending a message to the world? You know, there's days where I get up and I leave my house and I'm like, you know what? I'm in a really, really good mood. So the black t-shirt I put on might have a print on it that day because I just feel like, oh, this is something I like. Or there's days that I wake up and I'm just like, oh, I don't give a fuck. And I literally just grab anything. It, It's dark. All I know is I'm gonna grab a black T-shirt and a pair of jeans, and who knows what could be on that shit that day. Most of my T-shirts have horror thing things on them, so you never know. Then, another part of presenting yourself to the world with the message that you're sending with your clothing is when I actually do dress up for something. You know, if I go off to a job interview, definitely not wearing my jeans and T-shirt. I'm going to have a button-down shirt on, black dress pants, a great belt, a great pair of shoes, no piercings probably. I'll probably take them all out and just be prepared to present myself to the world as a clean slate at that point. That's another side of what I would do. Um, And then there's just, you know, examples out there in the world. We got people going to a beach. If you're going to a beach in the middle of summer, I wouldn't expect to see someone going to the beach with a thermal, jeans, sneakers, and maybe even a coat on. That just doesn't fit where they're going. Or like somebody who's in the military going to get deployed. I don't expect to see them in a Speedo at the airport. I expect to see them probably in some military issue clothing waiting. Or even if they're just going to the military base. Now, when it came to presenting myself and my mom would be the one who would always have these conversations with me, Because there was points in times, especially during my younger years in high school, where for like seven months straight, I wore nothing but black t-shirts and black dress pants because it just all fit together. Had like hundreds of pairs of black dress pants and tons of black t-shirts. And I would just wear that. And my mom was always like, well, what message are you sending? You only wear the exact same thing. And... I was like, I'm not sending a message. I'm just a kid going to school. And I mean, nobody can say anything about me if I'm wearing all black. It's just like, okay, what can you say? There's literally nothing. So I didn't really care. But the one part that always sticks out of my head, and I'm pretty sure people out there, I'm not the only one whose parents have said this to them. Make sure that you have matching socks and underwear or, you know, clean socks and underwear as well, because what if something happens and you end up having to go to the hospital? So when I hear that, and when I have heard that, my thought always was, if the person at the hospital or in the ambulance is concerned about my socks and my underwear, I was dead from the moment that I got in that thing. I was dead. I wasn't going to make it. Flatline me now. I will be DOA before we get to the hospital. Dead on arrival if you don't know it. And I would just laugh to myself every time my mom would say it to me. She still has said it sometimes. I don't even think she realizes it anymore. But, you know, maybe that's part of your message too. Maybe on the day that you walk out of your house and something's going to happen to you, you're going to end up at the hospital. You want to put on a pair of underwear that say, do not resuscitate. More power to you. You know that could be your message that you're sending to the world. Now, the other side of presenting yourself to the world is the side that I kind of think of more, and that is that you're the creator of your own image. I mean, we all have the ability to choose what we wear, how we wear it, when we wear it, and where we wear it to. So I've always felt that we're the creators of our own image, not as more as presenting yourself to the world, where I've learned that from my mom. The creator of your own image is that you are creating something that you are comfortable in. It doesn't really matter what other people think. doesn't really matter the social setting. It doesn't really matter. It's about the image that you want to put out to the world of yourself. You know, when you step out your door and you've purposely chose something that you know people are going to see, it's kind of like you've made yourself into a thumbnail. You know, you go to a little website and you're like, oh, that thumbnail is really cute. I wonder what it is. Let me click on it. That's kind of what I feel like when you leave your house or just being in the world or even on social media and you create an image for yourself, a visual object for people to look at. You've now created that thumbnail And it's like, huh, some people are going to click on it. Some people won't. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that because it's your own creation. It's not somebody else telling you what you have to do or you building off of what other people say you should do. It's just an image you've created for yourself. And when you create your own image, (coughs) excuse me, the first big thing that is most important is your confidence, your confidence when you create that image for yourself. It's hard when you're presenting yourself for something to the world because you know there are going to be reactions from all sides. And the biggest reaction, maybe the hardest to deal with, is your own reaction. You know, I remember the first time that I put on shorts recently Because again, I haven't worn shorts in quite a long time. So I put on a pair of shorts because I was going out to brunch with two friends. I was heavily hungover because the day before, we just got redonkulously drunk. It was ridiculous. So it's 11 in the morning. They call me. Hey, we're going out for brunch. Throw something on. Let's walk. The restaurant's right down the street from my house all good. I woke up. Well, I was already awake, but you know, I get up after they say we're going out for brunch and I'm like, okay, I can't find jeans. I can't find my wallet. I can't find anything. All I knew is that I had, I think like $20 in ones balled up on my coffee table. I saw a pair of basketball shorts and a chair and I saw some sneakers I threw the shorts on, threw the sneakers on, grabbed the money, and just clean walked out of my house. I was still drunk, I'm pretty sure, but getting to the point of being hungover so none of it felt good, and I was just like, whatever, I don't care. Walked to the restaurant, I looked a complete mess, walked back home, got right back in bed. My message that day that I was going out with was, I don't give a fuck. I don't feel good, let's get this done, I'm going home. With that, though, when I walked out the house, my first thought when I got to the front door of my apartment building to go outside was, do I really want to walk outside like this? And I felt completely uncomfortable. For that whole moment at the door, I was like, maybe I should go back inside, find some jeans and change. But I didn't. I walked out the house. And when I walked out the house, my first instinct was to kind of put my head down, not hanging it low, but more looking at the ground and then just walking to the corner and meeting up with my friends. As soon as I stepped through the doorway and then got down the steps and I'm outside, I don't know why, but my grandfather, his voice was the first thing that just popped into my head. And... What he said to me was, stand up straight and stop looking at your feet. He would always say that. And that was one thing that has always stuck with me for quite a long time. Stand up straight and stop looking at your feet. And I did just that. I still felt awkward, still felt weird, but I was going to wear it confidently. And confidence, having my shoulders back, my head up, looking straight ahead... Changed everything from the moment I took my first step out in those shorts to getting to the restaurant and coming back home. And I bring that up because confidence is important with what you're wearing. Now, when you put on clothes or you put on an outfit or you do a style to your hair, to your face, to your makeup, to anything, you're making a statement, not maybe to other people, but just to yourself because you now done something that may not be in your norm. And it can be something that looks flat out crazy. But if you wear it confidently, it'll look great. And people will stare at you for it. Happy, sad, upset, positive, negative. You wear something confidently, you're going to get some kind of feedback reaction. Or even if you don't, you'll just feel good about yourself having that confidence. Now, I've walked out my house in some crazy shit. I mean, and it takes courage to walk out in certain things. I'll tell you guys that there are times I have left my house and I'm pretty sure I wasn't matching at all. But I wore it confidently. And actually got compliments from people at times. I mean, there's times I'll leave my house and maybe I'm going to a bar. And I've got on a pair of heels, some tights, and a hoodie. It's it. And I'm just like, okay, it's time to go to this bar. It's time to go fuck it up there. I'll go and wear it and wear it confidently. And it's just something that I do. I mean, there's times I've walked out my house in random costumes just because. And I'm not even doing cosplay. Maybe I just felt like wearing costume piece that day. Or there's times that I've walked out of my house and what I'm wearing just maybe just does not fit what is going on with the world at that time. You know, I've walked out of my house and... It's snowing, and I've got on maybe a windbreaker jacket. That's it. And I'm upstate New York. It gets frigid here. But I wore it because I wanted to wear it. That's just how it is. And with that, and every time I've stepped out of my house in a pair of high heels, and you know, one that I can think of bigger than anything, I left my house one day. I had to go meet up with some friends. We were going to a bar and I had on a pink tutu, a blue flannel shirt, a pair of high heels, and leggings. And I'm walking through my apartment building hallway, and I end up running into, like, multiple people. A couple of people just stared, didn't say anything. A couple of people snickered and laughed. One guy was like, hey, man, go and enjoy your night. It sounds like it's going to be a good one. And I'm like, hey... You know, his thing meant more to me than everybody else. I didn't really care about people snickering and laughing. Who cares? Whatever. But the person who came and talked to me was just like, yo, enjoy your night, because he had something to say that I took in and appreciated more than anything. And the reason why, and this is maybe just me just thinking about it, is the reason why he said something to me is because I stood up straight, and I wasn't looking at my feet when he saw me wearing tutu, high heel leggings and a hoodie, which I think is what I had on. And because I was walking confidently, he felt confident enough to say something to me. So your confidence isn't just you. It actually radiates around the people around you as well. So if you're going to wear something, whether you're comfortable or not, wear it confidently. If you are comfortable and confident in what you're wearing, it doesn't matter at all what anybody else thinks when it comes to that. Now, another part of being social and interactions and presenting yourself to the world is your mannerisms. Your mannerisms are another thing. Now, mannerisms have always been a thing that have kind of affected my life because being gay, growing up in... black community. Unfortunately, there's a lot of resistance still, and there's a lot of people who just don't understand. So they make comments or homophobic remarks that if they actually got to know that person, they would see are not true at all. So mannerisms for me, one started with how I talk. The way that I talk has cost a lot for me in my life. Good and bad, positive and negative. So growing up in schools, and when I say schools, it's because I've gone to a lot of different schools. Growing up as a military brat, you do travel a lot. So I had to get used to new kids all the time. And growing up on a military base... There's a nice mix of kids, you know, all races, all ages, everything. Going to the classes that I went to in school while we were living on a military basis, you'd see everybody. When my parents left the military and we actually ended up moving and I started a new school, I noticed something completely different. The school I was going to at that point was now predominantly, predominantly Black. And not very open compared to what I came from when I was going to schools while we were in the military. So when I had finally gotten to this new school, the first thing that I always would hear, always, doesn't matter who I ended up speaking to, it could be any kid. Why do you talk so funny? You talk like you're white. You talk gay. Now, I had never understood, again, when I was younger, gay and what being gay was because it wasn't talked about. did I understand it. So I was like, okay, I don't get that one. Then the other side of it, everyone says, oh, you talk white. I don't think that I talk white. I just talk like myself. This is just how I talk. But it was a negative in a lot of people's minds when they would say that. So throughout my childhood, I really didn't talk much in school, because after a while, it just started to just build up and just turn into just a shit show, and I just didn't understand it. It wasn't until high school where I actually started to speak more, opened up, and got more vocal. And even to this day, people still make fun of my voice all the time. Now, when it comes to my voice, and the reason why I bring that in for being social, presenting yourself in, even mannerisms, is your voice is the first thing people hear you, So that's another way for people to maybe build something or an idea of who you are, or even for you to say, this is what I like about myself. Now, when I understood that people saying I talked white or I talked gay or I sounded funny, when I finally understood that they meant that as a negative thing, my first reaction was, okay, let me try to change my voice. Unfortunately, it doesn't work. Now, I can imitate a deep voice. I can do that easily. Like, hey, my name is Andrew. It probably sounded weird, but I could do that. I don't want to have to mimic a voice. though. I don't want to have to strain my vocal cords to sound deeper or to sound like I'm black, which there is no sound to being black. Let's just be honest about that. When I first did try to imitate a different voice. I wasn't comfortable. I felt weird. I felt like a fraud. I just hated it. So after maybe about, I would say, a month or two months of trying to fake a voice, I just said, fuck it. I'm just going to talk however I talk. You don't like it. You don't like it. Then the other part of mannerisms that I dealt with, you know, growing up and even now still these days, and the worst part about it is still, it even comes from the gay community, the gay black community, let's just be honest about it, Um, is my mannerisms as far as my physical mannerisms. You know, how I walk or how I hold something. I've even had somebody call me out and say, oh, you drink wine like a woman, the way you hold the glass. You know, these days now that I'm older, I'm like, really, who the fuck cares? Because at the end of the day, I'm still enjoying myself. I'm having a good time. I'm not going to change up what I do. So you feel like it's more fitting to who I should be? No. This just happens to be who I am and I like it. Now, the funny part about it, when it comes to mannerisms and the things that I've experienced and what has been given to me in return, as far as me behaving the way that I do, there's two hugely opposing sides. So if I'm on a gay dating app, a lot of people will see my picture. They see a black guy with a full beard, piercings and tattoos. And if they're white, they typically assume that I am a top or a very dominantly sexual person. And I, for some reason, get tons of sex requests, which I'm just not a fan of. Or if they're black, I get, oh, okay, you have an interesting look. Um, Some people say, hey, I assume you probably act and behave like somebody who's white, like a white college kid. I've also had the response of, oh, okay, you're black and everything, but I noticed something. You've got some piercings and some tattoos that I don't typically see on black people. So you must have grown up in a white neighborhood. That's what I end up hearing. Um, Then it comes to, okay, maybe this is just an all texting conversation. Then when I get on the phone with somebody, it's a whole nother thing. So I've noticed if I get on the phone with a white guy now, they'll say, oh, Uh, well, I thought you were going to be different or sound different than what you do. Your voice and the way you behave doesn't fit the way your picture looks. And that one has always thrown me for a loop. I'm like, uh oh, okay, so somehow you develop how I'm supposed to act and behave and what I sound like from a picture? No, it doesn't work that way. The other part of it is when I end up meeting Black men, talking to Black men, or just interacting on these kinds of grounds... When I either talk to them on the phone or meet them in person, they're like, whoa, your voice, you must have grown up in a white neighborhood. you sound white? Or the one that I'll get if we haven't met in person at that point, we have only talked through the phone. Oh, you know, it's nice talking to you, but I'm not into fem dudes. That's what I hear a lot. And I'm like, "Um, I'm not feminine, but, you know, thank you, I guess. Because in my head, feminine and masculinity are just constructs created by people as opposed to people just living their lives. So it's different, you know, you're being social, you're interacting with people, and you're putting your face out there to the world. So of course, there's all these things and feedback that can come back to you, whether they're good or bad, whether you value them or you just toss them to the side. All these things always come back to you. And it's just very interesting to see and hear what people say and do. It has always been something that's just... Captured my mind, Um, you. But I wish I got something fun when people will look at me. Like I want somebody one day online or they see me in person. They're like, they walk up like, oh, you must be a dinosaur hunter. Look at your t-shirt, or you know, they see my picture and they're like, you know what? I know exactly what you do. You are a person who feasts on endangered species. Because of what you're wearing, I know that you ate an albino elephant. Ding, ding, ding. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I'm all about it. Somebody approaches me like that, I will talk to you for hours. Um, but outside of your mannerisms and the things that are more for you, when you start to become social, there's another layer to it. And that's your social circles that you're hanging out in. You know, if you want to hang out with people and you end up developing a social circle, it's almost like putting on people clothes. Because you're going to be surrounded by these people or interacting with these people in this social circle. And I'm pretty sure everybody remembers through their high school days, there were different cliques and groups and stuff that hung out. And that's just how they coexisted in that conundrum. You know, uh, high school's a clusterfuck, let's just be honest. Everybody smells bad, the building's terrible, and you're stuck with each other for four fucking years. Never a good thing. But when you are an adult and now you're out there with social circles, you're going to be doing something completely different that you haven't done. So with your social circle, first, you want to find the right social circle for you. You may see a group of people who are very fun from what you observe. They seem like great people, but you don't know who they are because you have not joined that social circle yet. And since you haven't joined that social circle, you're only looking from the outside in. Your first step is to figure out, are these people that I can actually vibe with? Are these people I actually want to be involved with in social settings? Because let's say... You're somebody who likes to just go for long walks. You like to go do things that aren't very hectic, that are unpredictable, maybe very routine. There's a group of people that's a social circle for that. You just have to find those people who like doing the same things that you want to do. Or maybe like-minded individuals. But if you're that type of person who doesn't like that kind of setting of bars and clubs and tons of people and all that stuff, it wouldn't make sense for you to join a social circle of people who are into that. Because at some point, you're going to either get tired or just worn out that this is not what you want to do. When you do find your social circle, then you start to navigate around that circle You start to expand your mind. You develop closer friendships with some people in that circle, or maybe some fall off. Maybe this isn't the type of person you want to be in this area of the social circle. I'm sorry, you guys, I'm getting tongue-tied saying that. It's hard. Then, once you do start introducing yourself to these different circles of people, of course, you're going to have some things that happen out there. You're going to be anxious, Because when you join a social circle, sometimes you're looking for approval. Sometimes you're just looking for companionship or partnership. And nobody really wants to ever hear no. Nobody really wants to feel like they've been rejected. So it can cause some anxiety when you go to join that social circle. Another part of it is there can be tons of excitement. Joining a social group, just friends or an established group that have a mission statement and everything, it can be tons of fun. It can be great, but I'm gonna take you back to that quote about keeping your feet, because if you don't, you don't know where you're gonna be swept off to. So let's say you meet a group of a social circle and you're like, okay, I wanna join an underground dinner club. Maybe that's your social circle. So you go to one dinner and you're like, oh, that was delicious, it was great. I loved it. The food was great. The conversation was great. The wine pairings was fantastic. You're like, yeah, I'm into this. So you kind of just lose yourself in that circle at that point. You're just like, okay, I'm just going to try everything. I'm going to say yes to everything because I want to fit in with these people and I want to be a part of this circle. So the next underground dinner party you go to, they bring out all the dishes and then they tell you that you are eating an endangered species that knows sign language, and there's only 15 of them left in the world. Originally, you didn't sign up for that. Maybe you're not cool with it. Now it's time for you to decide, is this still the social circle I want to be in, or is this not? This is the part where keeping your feet is huge, because if you are part of a social circle, but maybe you don't fit in with everything they have that doesn't mean leave that circle it means set your boundaries now at this point you need to be self-aware and say okay i've socialized i'm out here in the social setting but i can't say yes to everything and that's okay there's nothing wrong with that another part of it is when it comes to your family and social circles so you know i come from a medium-sized family. Um, I'm most close with my most immediate family. That's my mother, my father, my brother, and my sister-in-law. Those are the people I'm immediately close with. But a lot of families out there, and if your family's like mine, especially Black families, you know there are just tons of you, and there's going to be family reunions, family get-togethers, and everything. So Family reunions, I'm going to use that as my example, is a very specific situation and scenario that you can be in. And I think of the last family reunion that I went to um, with, you know, of course, my family. And I got to meet up with my cousins and aunts and uncles and stuff that I hadn't seen in a very long time. And even in those scenarios, there's nothing but love going on at this event, but I knew. There's certain people in this family that are not a part of my social circle. They're still great people, but I know there's nothing that I want to do when it comes to hanging out with them. Not in a negative way, but they are just not the people that I'm social with. I still will be nice and happy and, you know, I love you to the day ends. I'm just not a part of that group. You know, a lot of my family members want to play a lot of the guys want to play basketball at the family reunion. I don't play basketball. I don't do that. In high school, I was a cheerleader for the basketball team. I'll watch basketball at home, but I don't want to play it. I just have no interest. And a lot of them want to keep playing. I don't hate them for it. It's just like, look, most of your conversation and family bonding is going to happen on a basketball court. There's no reason for me to be standing there like a little lost child in the middle of the court who gets past the ball and then shits on himself because he doesn't know what to do with it. It's just not a good situation for anybody. It's very sticky and just not good. But because of that, it not only helps me get closer with my family in different ways, it also helps me establish myself as my own individual in the family. You know... The cousins and aunts and uncles who play basketball and they see that I don't play, after they're done, the first thing they want to do is come and talk with me while maybe I'm sitting there eating food or pouring drinks or playing cards or something. They like that. And it's a way for us to bond. So even though I'm not a part of that basketball social circle, we still have a connection. And it's pretty good. And then the opposite of your family is your chosen family. So my chosen family very close group of individuals. That is my chosen family social circle. We do not all agree on the same things. We do not all enjoy the same things, but I will ride or die for every single person in my chosen family. And I will go to any event with them. I don't care if I'm into it or not. We'll be social today because part of our social circle is supporting each other in what we do. So, you know, chosen family, 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 I got y'all. Now, the other part of when it comes to your social circles is being a loner. And I know we're talking about being social, but being a loner or somebody who likes to be alone, that is a part of being social. It really is. Now, I'll use myself, for example, I do go through kind of a cyclical movement where sometimes I want to be around people all the time. I want to go out. I want to do stuff. And then sometimes I just want to sit alone and enjoy the silence. It's a beautiful thing. You know, if I think of another quote, and I'm paraphrasing this one, and this is from A Clockwork Orange, I want to say. I think it is. It's a Tarantino film that the quote came from. And for the life of me, I'm just drawing a blank. I don't know I remember it. And if anybody does remember it, send it to me. Let me know. Um... But I'm just paraphrasing the quote. And the quote essentially goes, when you can sit in silence with somebody and just shut the fuck up and be happy, that is true bliss. To me, that's what true bliss is when I'm by myself or even when I'm sitting with people in my social circle. You know, being a loner, you have that ability to have that alone time. And being a loner, it gives you a chance to be alone with yourself and be comfortable with being alone with yourself. At that point, you are now your own social circle. And being your own social circle is a good thing. Because at that point, it's you learning to love and support you. Which is something that nobody can take away from you. So, socially, there's a lot that goes on in this world. And I hope that I haven't been rambling. I hope that it makes sense if you're listening to this of what I'm saying. But uh, let's get into a couple of questions. Let's get into a couple of questions because I got some really good things here. So one of them I kind of answered. And this question came to me on Facebook and it was from an anonymous person who I think deals with what I used to deal with. Probably still people comment on it and I don't really care. And that's why I'm speaking intelligently still so closely with sounding and talking white and not relating to your black or African American heritage. And like I was saying before, you know, people look at things differently because you're different, and people say things because you're different. Um, in your environment, which I don't know, maybe it's that you're around people who have never interacted with somebody who's lived other places or just talks differently. So when people don't understand something, they look at it as a negative or they try to categorize it. And maybe the category just sounds like something just not conducive to relating to other people. And I don't know why people associate with talking intelligently like you're trying to talk white because intelligence it's not race-based. I mean, we can see it. Just turn on your TV. People of all races are fucking stupid. You know, they just do dumb shit. And just because you sound intelligent doesn't make you intelligent. And just because you sound intelligent doesn't make you white. Um, I honestly don't know why people still view it that way. I think it's, Something that's just weird, I've never understood it. I don't get it. I wish that I had a better answer for your question, but I don't. The one thing that I can say is the fact that you acknowledge that people still do this is your chance to change it. You know, and I do it with everyone that I know. I will call somebody out clear as day for making fun of my voice or somebody else's voice. When it comes to me, I'll just literally say, oh, because I really do sound like that. Thank you. Or if they're talking about somebody else, why do you think they sound white? Or what's wrong with their voice? What is their voice doing to your life that is causing you to hate it so much? You know, I would say call people out on it instead of wondering why they do it. I hope that that helps. Um, So another question that got sent to me and... This individual is going to remain anonymous, um, but it says, hi, Andrew. I have a, I'm having a small dilemma at the moment and was hoping you could give me some advice. You seem really knowledgeable and thank you for that, by the way. I appreciate it. I'm a 23 year old, excuse me. I'm a 23 year old black man and I don't think I'll ever fully understand the typical idea of masculinity or people for that matter. I'm tired of living up to it for a long time. I've tried living up to it for a long time, and it had the side effects of most of almost killing me on different occasions. The problem is that I constantly feel like I'm forced to live within the boundaries of what other people want or expect me to be. It feels like no one understands that everything I do or want to do is for a reason yet only some things are acceptable. I grew my hair out and got dreads as a symbol of me accepting who I am and coming to understand that I have depression and to rebel against the box I'm supposed to be in. No one says anything. I want to get tattoos that I feel represent me. Once again, nothing. Ask a few people, about the idea of painting my nails black and instantly got shit on. The response was, I don't know, man. That's kind of suspect every time. I want to do this as a sign of personal strength and power within myself to be an unknown in what people expect of me. The only people that supported me were a close friend and my girlfriend who actually get it. So what's the problem? I'm stuck between the idea of representing fuck you, I won't do what they tell me from from rage against the machine, knowing who I am, and just giving in. How do you live in a world where people want to constantly define you without losing your mind? How do you define masculinity? So, Anonymous, thank you for sending this question in. I really appreciate it. And I'm sorry that I stumbled so much reading it. That has nothing to do with the way he wrote his question. That has to do with my lips, tongue, and the lack of water. <laughs> so the first part of it. How you said, how do you define masculinity? So I wanted to take this to, first, the Webster's Dictionary on how masculine and masculinity are defined. So masculine is defined as having qualities or appearance traditionally associated with men, especially strength and aggressiveness. Some of the synonyms to masculine and masculinity are virile, macho, muscular, strapping, robust, red-blooded, and there's so many more to go on. Now, that's how Webster's defines masculinity. To me, masculinity is defined by how you conduct yourself and carry yourself in this world. And when I say that, I mean masculinity to me has nothing to do with how deep your voice is, how muscular you are, how macho you are. All of those things to me are just accessories to the human conditioning. I view masculinity as somebody who is not afraid to stand up on their own two feet and believe in what they believe in. I define masculinity as an individual who goes out to the world with courage and conviction in their heart every day. That is how I define masculinity. Now, living in this world where people constantly are gonna try to define you, it's hard. It is incredibly hard. Coming out into this platform to do a podcast and presenting myself, my ideas, my thoughts to the world every day and weekly on this podcast. The way I deal with it goes back to my grandfather's quote of stand up straight and stop looking at your feet. If you're not hurting anybody... If you're not destroying lives, if you're not propagating hate, if you're not tearing somebody else down, I don't feel you should ever look at look down at your feet. You shouldn't keep your head down, you should stand up straight because you are doing what is in your heart. And when you follow your passions, when you follow your convictions, when you have that confidence and just love for yourself, it does not matter what anybody else is trying to think, say, or define you as. And I know that sounds just like rhetoric and there's no action behind it, but there is. The action that's behind it is that you, Mr. Anonymous, you get up every single day and go do your own thing. You know, It takes courage to walk out of your front door looking different. It takes courage to walk out of your front door looking different from the people who are closest to you. And it takes a shitload of courage to walk out your door and do something that you know people may attack you for. It takes a lot of courage to do that. The fact that you have already talked about growing your hair, then tattoos, and then you want to paint your fingernails. That's courage enough already. The fact that you have the conviction in yourself to go ahead and say it to yourself that these are things that I'm interested in and want to do, and you've already started doing them. So many people say they want to do something and they stop because they're afraid of what other people will think, say, or do. And the fact that you've already started the process and then even opened up to talk about it, you're braver than half the people in the world. Now, I would tell you, stick with rage against the machine. Say, fuck you. I'm going to do what I want to do. Like, again, you're not hurting anybody. You want to make yourself look how you want to look? Do it. Do it because you are your own person and you will definitely value how you look more than anybody else. I don't think that you're in the wrong for wanting to say, fuck you, I'm going to do what I want. And the problem has nothing to do with you. It has to do with other people. Now, when it comes to painting your nails black, one, I'm going to tell you that is not suspect as far as being gay or queer or anything. Two, There's nothing bad about that either. There's nothing bad about it at all. There's nothing bad about being part of the LGBT community, which you are not a part of, but that's okay. When I say that there is no problem, it's because there isn't. Painting your fingernails does not make you look suspect. Not at all. It just means you have a different fashion sense. And one thing that I have encountered in my life especially when I go out wearing a pair of heels or something, dudes, especially black dudes, have said to me, oh, that's so feminine, we don't like it, or oh, that just looks suspect, da-da-da-da-da. Okay, and? That's my response, is okay, and so what? And then it comes around when it all comes full circle. The reason why they've said that is because I am doing something or have done something that they had interest in or thought about doing at some point in their life, but never had the courage to do it because they listened to what everybody else was saying and thinking around them. So since they couldn't do it, now they're gonna put that on you. They're gonna project that same feeling that they had on you. Don't let them do that to you. If you wanna do it, go do it. I 100% support you and painting your fingernails. Paint them any color you want. Who is it hurting? At the end of the day, whose life have you hindered or negatively affected by painting your fingernails? That's the one question I always ask myself when I do something. Whose life have I affected negatively by these actions? Even when I made mashed potatoes the other night. You know? Sure, I destroyed the potato people but I didn't hurt anybody of importance in this world who wasn't giving me sustenance. So, just saying. Do you. Just do you. There's nothing else I can say about it that is good or bad because you're doing you. So, in this world of opinions and ideas, and I include mine in that, At the end of the day, your courage and your conviction and how you feel about yourself and your life is with you. And the confidence and being happy about it starts with you. If you paint your fingernails and you think your friends or people you know are going to say, oh, that's suspect or you're gay or try to insult you, let them. Let them. Because if they are real friends and real people who care about you, Maybe they'll clown you and they'll joke on you for a little bit, but they'll know that this is just an expression of yourself and you're going to do it anyways. And they'll stick around for that. If they don't like it, they can get up and leave. They can get the hell out. You still do you. You know, I support you And thank you for that. That was fantastic. So we have come to the end, guys. And thank you guys for listening. I truly appreciate you guys listening to this fourth episode of Lifestyle of a Gay Black Boy. I cannot wait to hear from more of you. And if you would like to submit content, questions, scenarios, things you want my opinion on, give me feedback, good or bad, constructive or non-constructive. Maybe you just want to curse me the fuck out. Go ahead and do it. Send that over to me at lifestylegbb at gmail.com. Again, that's Lifestyle, G as in George, B as in boy, B as in boy, at gmail.com. I'll be sure to get back to you. And then you can also find me on social media, all platforms. I am AJ, that's A-J-A-Y, VanderTunt. V-A-N-D-E-R-T-U-N-T. Now, enough with the spelling. I don't want to spell anymore. <laughs> but again, I thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you all have a great weekend And I will talk to you again next Friday.